Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we're, we're, look, we're out the other side. Um, season 6, episode 6, Blood of My Blood. Let's just fresh start this week. I'm closing that door. Let's put it behind us. Yeah, I, that was intentional. <laughs> I was going to say, when you say we're out the other side, I was going to say, yeah, we're close to the door. Yeah, um, yeah. We've, we've, to... we've closed that door. Shut that door. Um, oh, bloody we've... hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice modern reference. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure absolutely none of our listeners will get that. Um, <laughs> we've, we've closed that door. We'll move on. Fresh start. Um, so here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready to approach things anew. Um we're not off to the best start, really, though, are we? Literally, my first note is boring with about 10 O's. Like, why Why don't we just open with the montage? Why, or oh, why, or oh, why do we not just use that montage to open? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it seemed a strange one because, yeah, nothing fucking happens for the no, first bit. No, it's just shit, isn't it? Yeah, I, I yeah I I was just, I, I watched it because I, I I actually did something rare this week. I actually because we recorded last night instead of Monday night. I watched I watched it well early. So mm-hmm. I was I was watching. I went I was trying to think before we started how the episode started. I'm thinking that can't have been it because that would have been really shit. Yep, that was but it. It was. Yep, awful opening. Um, but then you know we do get that skeleton fight then, and that's yeah. that's fucking that's fucking awesome. The way they get hooked and dragged behind yeah. the horse, like yeah, that's all fucking cool. amazing. And again, in the way um, he's where um, he he lights the is it a mace or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be? It, it's kind of like it's not an actual mace. No, because there's no spikes on it. Thing. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's that sort of, that sort of sort of um, design. I'm, um, I'm so pretty sure there's a fire. word for it. There, there is a word for it, isn't it? Um, it's, Probably, it's like a flail or something, isn't it? I think flail might be it. Um, there is, but there is a word for what? Yeah, that it's, is. It's, it's it's like a mace without any spikes on it. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody knows, let us know because that'll bug me otherwise, and yeah. I can't be asked to Google. I'm too lazy. Um, but yeah, so no, that like, no, that has no mystical fire in it, and then he's you now he's, he's he's swinging it around, setting the bastards on fire. That's all cool. Hooks him on the back of the horse. He, no, he, he, uh, it's, it's, it swings into the side of Bran's car. So again, there's a bit of, a little bit more excitement there because Bran's right in the thick of it. Yeah, all, that's, it's, all it's, that's fine. It's just the fucking start. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Like, like, let's just ignore that fucking start because it's rubbish. But yeah. once, it, I, I mean, I don't know why we didn't open with the montage or otherwise this because this is fucking great. Um, and you know. He looks really cool as well. He's got the fucking mask pulled up over his nose. Yeah. So he looks like Which, he's some honest, sort of fucking ninja. I mean, to be honest, I didn't fucking notice because it's 2021 and we've all been in masks for a year. But at the time, I, I'm sure it was cool. I, I still think it looks cool, you know, because he's, he's clearly like he's his face is all fucked up behind the mask. You can see that. Yeah. He looks like he's some sort of... Did you ever play when you were young? Did you ever play Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver? Oh, Yes. Because he really that. reminds me of the... Is it Asriel, the lead character? Yeah. I got a feeling it was yes. Asriel, wasn't it? He really reminds me of the lead character from Soul yeah. Reaver, where he used to Fun. pull the scarf down and suck the souls in because he didn't yeah. have a jaw. Yeah, yeah. funny enough, I've, I've got that. Um, I had it on the PS1. Um, yeah. And then I bought it, I think about two years ago. It came on... It was in the um, the Vita store, because you can buy like all the old PS1 games for, for Vita. Yeah. And I, we were going somewhere, and I thought, I've got, I've got nothing new to play. Um, and we were at a point where the kids were always nicking my iPad to watch stuff on Netflix, and it was a good way of keeping them quiet. So I thought I'd take my Vita with me, which I haven't used for fucking years. 
and it popped up on there for like three quid. I was like, you know what, I'm having Bargain. it. Bargain. It's a superb game. I got, I was obsessed with it. I had it on the Dreamcast because um, right. I had the Dreamcast. I was the oh, one. You were the one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Love that console. Still have it. Phenomenal machine. Um, but yeah, I, I had it on the Dreamcast. I was obsessed with it. I, I, yeah, I played I that it. game relentlessly. Superb game. It was um, probably one of the first games of that type I ever like. I, I'm not really into like fantasy and shit like that, which is really funny because we do a Game of Thrones podcast. But, like at the time, mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was more into. Multiplayer, multiplayer game, those no, no, shoot 'em ups and sports games and shit like that, because you, you could, you know, you could have a bit of a social aspect to it as well. Because like me and my brother and a couple of friends used to come around and play and shit. So games like this weren't really the type of things we played. But then that one, it, for some reason, it just kicked something off in my imagination. I was fucking obsessed with it. It's because it's just so fucking well written. Um, yeah. it's it's a superb story written by Amy Henning, uh, incidentally, um, oh, okay. superstar game writer now. Um, but yeah, uh, she wrote it back in the day, and yeah, it, it was it was like some sort of dark gothic fucked up zelda really um, yeah. loved it but anyway this isn't a games podcast we probably should have one but this isn't the game we podcast. had one and they fucked off to do their own their own thing yes yeah, so we should probably have our own but we already do fucking four podcasts that's enough yeah um, so so yeah he, he just reminds me like he reminds me of, of the lead character from sorry yeah. but yeah he looks very cool and yeah just like who is this mystery man mark he's awesome well, Who could it. he possibly be? Hmm. Um, and and genuinely, like I sound, I sound like I'm taking the piss, and I kind of am because obviously I know who he is. But first time out, I was like, "Who the fuck is this? Who's this motherfucker? He's awesome." Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm well into this. Um, so yeah, that, that's all good. And then we get this, like we've got, we've injected pace. It's really good. Um, yeah. But then we, the scene kind of ends. And before we get a chance to deal with anything that's happened in that scene or anything that happened to these characters last week, yeah. all of the wind is taken out of our sails because we flip over to this scene with Sam and Gilly, which is lovely, as always. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't really belong here. <laughs> um, no. And we, we had this problem a lot. Was it last season or season four? I can't remember. But we had a lot of these episodes where... They they just got the running order wrong. Yeah, because it, it, this just feels like it takes all the wind out of the sails. Now it is it's a great scene and it does a lot of heavy lifting to sort of establish the drama that we're shortly going to have. It does yeah. and it works really well. It does what it's supposed to do. It establishes the drama. You know, um, Sam says to, to Gilly that you know my father hates wildlings. So yeah. we we know now she's going into a potentially threatening situation and she's going to have to yeah. hide. Which is all good. There's really good stuff. It's just yeah. like off the back of what we've just had. I'm like. Yeah, but I want to see more fucking skeleton fights and who's the mystery man and what happened to Hodor and all of this. Like, well, well listen, this is it, and I don't think we ever really address what happens to Hodor. Do we we I think don't, it... uh, and and I, this is something I'm furious about, uh, as I always am when this happens. But I'm especially, <laughs> especially furious about this one because such a big thing was made out of it, well, and because exactly. he was such a well loved character. Like, literally, they don't even mention him. In this episode, no, not not mentioned. Like you'd think, Bran would be pretty fucking scarred by this, considering it's basically his fucking well, fault. I was gonna say, yeah, he 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 psychologically called him yeah. and left him to die. Yeah, like there should be fallout here. At yeah. the very least, you did you'd expect to see some sort of grieving. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the thing is that like, we we get more of it from Mira than we get from from Bran. Like Bran's known him since he was a kid. Like he was always around Winterfell. Yeah, and, you know, and and he's looked after him in you know in the years when they were on the run from from Theon and shit like that. So you think there'd be something more of a connection, but if anything, Mira is the one who mourns him. She's you no, know, she's the one, and whether it's a complete emotional overload or everything that's gone on, 
or whether it's you no, know, it's purely what happened to Hodor. She, you no, know, she responds to it. Whereas Bran is just like, all right, move on, next, next. Yeah, uh, it's just, just fucking. It strikes me as weird. Um, it, it always annoys me when they just off these characters and don't deal with it. But this is just strikes me as weird on so many levels. Like it's, it leaves a gap in the story you could drive a bus through. Like this is yeah. a loop that is not closed now. Um, ironically, uh, so. It's like it just it, this. This needs to be addressed. You can't just and they don't mention it at all. It's like he's just been written out of the narrative completely. Well, yeah. Which I oh, fucking I fuck this show. Honestly, I'm trying to give it a fresh start, but seriously. <laughs> um. So, but yeah. Anyway, we we get this scene with Sam and Gilly, which is very very good. Um. And then then we yeah. go over and spend a bit of time with Marjorie and Tommen. Um, which again is it's a necessary scene for what happens later on but i'm like does it need to be here couldn't we have had it last week because this again is is not shit i want to be watching right now and to be honest it's a nothing scene it is a nothing scene i think the the problem is that we've not they've tried the seed now the whole thing of tom and learning from the sparrow and him no and him trying to be a better king than Joffrey, so no, actually listening to people and engaging with people rather than just no, beheading them. So I get what they're trying to do. The problem is, by doing this in the same episode as what they do later, it, you don't have time for it to sink in. You don't have time for him to become not indoctrinated as such, but for him to really get what's going on. It's just like he's been told something and that's it. Yeah. And, it- and I, I think if they'd seeded this probably... Episode three of this, this season, possibly episode four. Give it a few weeks to percolate and then yes. pull the trigger in this episode. That would work. Yeah, I think so. And I think what you get instead actually is quite confused. It's it's clear to me uh, and more so at the end than it is here. But I'm I'm sort of looking for it here because um, Marjorie, as I said, is a character that, that I like a great deal and somebody yeah. that I always pay attention to. And, and as always, she's great in this scene and it's always great to see her. But the scene itself feels like nothing because here... You can't quite work out her end game. It's clear yeah. that she's playing Tommen. Oh, absolutely. She's got an angle. She can't work out yeah, what it is. You can't quite work out the end game. Um, and then when it comes later on, it like it, yeah, it, it all sort of falls into place. But as you said, if she'd have been playing a longer con here, then perhaps it'd have more time to sink in. So the, the scene just kind of feels weirdly off kilter, I think, with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she she is literally just playing him like a fiddle again, just yeah. piling in on the whole thing with the sparrows as well. Like, yes, they are right. And yes, I do need to atone. And knowing full well that she's about to basically wage war in her name. Yeah. Um, and, and that's clearly what she's going for. And, and we get towards that even more at the end. She is playing a very, very dangerous game. Uh, but she's doing it very well. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, which is a nothing scene. Then we're back over with Sam and, and Gilly again. Yeah. Um, after, I mean, we've slightly skipped over the stuff where Gilly first gets introduced to Sam's mother and sister and yeah. stuff like that, which is, is all very nice and, and everything yeah, is very good nice in the scene. scene. But again, it, again, it's just adding to the to the drama that's going to come yeah. later on. I mean, that um, scene pissed me off because the the actress who played the mother, I spent ten minutes trying to work who the fuck she is. Who is she? Because I did the same thing and never worked it out. Um, the only thing I know her from, she played um, the female manifestation of um, Jeff in Coupling in an episode, in a dream episode in 2004. That's, that's the only thing I know her from. That's not where I know her from then. Uh, but she looks that's, familiar. She looks a bit like Julie Graham. Yeah, maybe that's it. She looks. Uh, she definitely looks familiar, though. She looks uh, a lot like Julie Graham, especially the age she's at. No, she's at in, in there. Yeah, so yeah. When she was in Coupling, she was obviously she was considerably younger. But that's the only thing that I've seen her. And apart from that, you know, she did an episode of Casualty here because that's like mandatory for British actresses, and a, an episode of The Bill because that's how old she is. 
Um, but yeah, that, that, not, the only thing I've seen her in, I reckon, I, I, I would, I've watched a lot, would have been that one episode of Coupling. Yeah, weird. But, it's but she, yeah, fucking ages. But I think she looks like Julie Graham. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Uh, but she's great. She's very, yeah, very good. Like very her good. a lot. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the, not she, annoying either. Actually, I've got to be no, honest. No, no, they're good. I like, I like them, and I like how welcoming they are to Gilly, and I like how smart they are as well. They clearly do know what's going on immediately. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> That, yeah. You know, she's she's giving Gilly the benefit of the doubt, but she clearly knows what's going on. I mean, you could it's written all over her face. Plus, she's a mother at the end of the day. Yeah. Mothers are always cleverer than you think they are. Oh, um, God, yeah. Not, not to say like, that you don't think they're clever, but they're always, no matter how well you think they, they you're they hiding know. something from them, they fucking know. They always yeah. know. And I mean, yeah, it's. I don't even think it's actually giving Gilly the benefit of the doubt. It's just like... Well, Sam's back. He's got this woman in tow and my grandchild. So yeah. I don't care if it's actually not my grandchild. And I don't care who she is. She's brought my son back. And yeah. I've got no. And there's a chance of reuniting my family. So that no, that's all great. And I think that no, that's kind of where she's going. And I think that that works really well. It comes across really well. I mean, Sam set his sister up a couple of weeks ago as well, saying that no, she no, his father's a dick, his brother's a dick, but his sister's nice and his mother's nice. So we, we've got that. So we've had that introduction, and then. I expected a younger sister, and I, I don't remember her from the first time out, actually. I don't remember the, the sister at all. But I expected, when you mentioned her the other day, to, because she's younger, I expected her to be a lot younger and really fucking annoying. Yeah, no, she's, she was, she's she was good. really nice. She's really she's sweet. Good. Yeah, she's well. good. I, I like both of them, and, and what it actually does is gives us again, um, in terms of building the drama, gives us a nice little juxtaposition to the dread that Sam's been instilling. You know, this is yes. going to be difficult. I don't want to go home. They hate wildlings. And then actually, the first people we meet are these two absolutely lovely ladies, yeah, um, who, who embrace Gilly and, and take her under their wing. You know, the sister saying, "Oh, I'll give you a dress and stuff like that." Um, and then, yeah, when when we cut back to it, then after the stuff with Marjorie, just great. Great physicality from Hannah Murray in that dress. Yeah, like, in, in the heels. Yeah, superb. Like clearly uncomfortable in the dress. Can't walk in heels. Yeah, just very clearly not a lady. Um, she's great. She does really sterling work here. Like really, really and, and again, like um, John Bradley is um, as, as Sam as well. No, you, he he plays it off. No, plays it off very well. That he doesn't care. He knows she's uncomfortable and she's doing it for him, and he's so grateful for that. Yeah, even, even though he knows they're walking into Lions Den, he's like, you know what, we're doing it together. Fuck yeah. it, let's just go. And yeah, it's a lovely, it's, it's a lovely scene again. This most of this stuff actually, you know, is all as I say, it just felt weirdly positioned earlier on. But now yes. we get a lot of it in a block. You kind of settle into it, and it works really well. And I like ninety nine percent of it, but they they fail to stick the landing so spectacularly yes. that it fucks it all up, which it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but they really do just, you know, it's like great performance, shaky dismount, like yeah. big style. Um, but we'll we'll get to that in a, in a couple of minutes time. You know, first of all, you know, they do go for dinner. We do meet Lord, Lord Tarly and well, isn't he a fucking delight? Oh, um, yeah. He's, he's, he's Tywin 2.0, isn't he? Uh, he's worse than Tywin. Tywin had charm. Well, well, that's, that's what I mean. They, they've, they've reintroduced Tywin, but they've taken out all the fun bits. Yeah, he's an absolute bell end. I hate him. Um, but I mean, you know, he's, he's not going to be around much. So here's by way of, you know, cutting through all the chuffer and here's a quick introduction to what he's going to be. Here it is. Yeah. He's, a, he's a cunt. They're like simple well, as that. Well, that's it. And I mean, it's, it's quite funny, actually, because this is the first time we're meeting any of the Tarleys apart from Sam. So it's the first time we're meeting Dickon as well. And obviously there's a, there's a gag later on um, in this season or possibly next season from uh, Bron. Yes. Um, but even here, when we see him later on, he's he's not quite as passive as he is here. And no. he just, he, you know, all of the, the all of the Tali children just so, you know, 
they're used to these rants from their father. They, they just want to look down and get on with their food and not really get involved in it. And it's only yeah. Gilly who engages him. Yeah, and I mean, she's she's fantastic at the dinner table engaging. Yeah, she is. It's it's my next note actually. Like she is she is absolutely phenomenal. You're just fronting straight up to him, and she just does it. Even when they put their foot in it, when Sam tries to big up talking about hunting, and then he bigs Gilly up, and they start to put two and two together that she's yeah. she's been hunting north of the wall, so she's a wildling. Like she doesn't backtrack. She doesn't attempt to cover up the mistake. She yeah. just she fronts straight up. She's well, this just, is it, and I think yeah, um, the thing is that you've got the way that um, Randall Tarley is set up. He, you know, he he is like Tywin. He bullies the children. He's the you know, the authoritarian figure, and they all, they all kowtow to him because they don't want they don't want the arguments and they don't want to get into trouble. They don't want to get on his bad side. Gilly's father was ten times fucking worse. Yeah. So she yeah. doesn't care. She's not interested in his airs and graces. She's not interested in, in him being slightly derisive and scornful because of where she was born, which is fuck all to do with her anyway. Yeah. You know, she can't no, she didn't choose where she was born. And even yeah. if she had, what's the big deal? Um, but her father raped and impregnated his own daughters. Yeah. To a point where why, you know, what's this bloke gonna do? I was what's gonna he gonna say, do with any worse? Why is she sweating this guy? Yeah. Um, I, I, so, so she's she's fantastic standing up while Sam is just fucking wilting. Yes. Um, but what I really love about this scene, and, and I do really love this scene, uh, it's excellent. Is that you know you're expecting Sam to do the right thing and man up and and defend her. We don't get that. What we get instead is Sam's mother just absolutely owning the fucking scene, just yes. literally getting up, treating treating Gilly with dignity and respect. And just that is so rare, not just in this show, that is that is yeah. so rare still in, in a lot of fiction, but especially in Game of Thrones, to see to see female characters just treated with that much respect and being allowed to have their own voice and take command of a scene like they do here is yeah. so, so rare. And it, it's lovely. Like they, they completely subvert that expectation because yeah. the traditional way to do it would be Sam's the man. He's going to stand up for her. Yeah. He, you know? he, also, he he's going to, no, he's going to actually you know, earn his salt. He's going to stand up and say, you know what? You're a prick. Fuck off. This is what's happening. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. And we've talked about this before with a couple of characters. You put them back in situations with their parents, and they yeah. completely regress. Any character development we've had in the last, in, in, John, in Sam's case, six years, yeah. goes completely out the window. He he becomes the same pusillanimous little twat he was when he arrived. Yeah, and that's, and it's all that's, because of them. that's the way his father's treated him. You're still fat. You're still soft. You're still fucking useless. Yeah. And he just he just doesn't know how to deal with that because as soon as he, no, as, as much as I'm sure he wants to stand up for Gillian, as much as he he wants to step out and say, actually, you know what, fuck you. He can't because it's not in his nature and it's not the way he's been brought up. He's done quite, it's almost a bit, it's a bit of conditioning, almost a bit, you no, know, a bit of grooming esque, whereby this is how you respond, this is how you behave, and you will not step out of line. Yeah, I think you're right. And so I, I really like that he doesn't do it here, yeah. but he absolutely does yes. need to call his father's bullshit. And that's where they fail to stick the landing. They kind of half arse it with him. Yes. Um, but we'll get onto that shortly. So, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to. To point out just how how amazing I think the scene is that all the women just band together and just go oh, shut up you stupid old twat yeah. basically yeah. and and just you know Sam's happy leave it at that yeah um, you so, carry on with your bullshit we will be elsewhere yeah it's lovely really really good scene and and actually you know despite the fact that we don't see it that often on screen you know I I know plenty of of relationships and women specifically where that would absolutely be the case where you know. <laughs> 
the old man's just wittering on and spouting complete and utter garbage. Yeah. And uh, and his better half just says, "Look, just shut the fuck up, will you?" Yeah. You, you know, make just, yourself. Just, you make, just yeah, stop just now. be quiet and shut up. Yeah, that <laughs> that is something I see a lot. Um, so it's it's good to see on screen. Yeah. Um, I, I, by that is something I see a lot. I don't mean that's me, by the way. <laughs> I, I I see how I that conclusion could be drawn. Yeah. No, <laughs> not the case. But you know, I, I do see that a lot. Um, so you know, then then we get the scene between the two of them, and, and they double down on that on the fact that Sam hasn't stood up and make it clear and implicit that, that Gilly's in the driving seat here, and that he's not less of a man or anything stupid like that for not doing it. Yeah. Because we get we get this scene where she says, "Look, I'm I'm not angry with you. I'm angry that horrible people can treat good people this yeah. way. Like I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at your dad, and I'm angry at the world. And I know you're better than that, but I don't yeah. need you to stand up for me." Like and that's yeah. that's essentially what she's saying to him, and it's it's just lovely. It's a love. Once again, these two are just thoroughly lovely. That's the best word for them, isn't it? They're just yeah. so sweet, and, and the relationship the, is so perfect. Yeah, I think the problem is, and the, the thing that bugs me with their relationship is that it's so well done, and it's it it's probably the best written relationship in the entire show. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. And why is it that they can get these two characters who are mine in in the grand scheme of things, they're minor characters. Mm-hmm. How can they get it so fucking right with them and so horribly wrong with other characters? I know, I know, and, and you know, I, I've thought that a lot as well. Um, and I think what it is is that they are so likable and so lovely that I think that anytime anybody's writing them, they just understand. They, they fall into these characters and understand them because it's very clear cut who they are. It's very clear cut what the relationship is. They just, you know. They're just the the good end of the moral compass. You know, they're everything that's good and just and right with the world. So it's easy to fall into that. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, this would never have been spoken on the set, I'm sure. But for me, it's it's a classic trope that, that I refer back to. It's it's don't it, it's just don't kill Willow, basically, is what this is. <laughs> it's like you you can't like they're just too lovely. Like you can't. Some things are just off limits. And and this is one of them. Like you can put them in as much peril as you want, but they are they are lovely, and they always have to find a way through it together. Like yeah. that's that's the thing. You know, again, the antithesis of of that is put Willow in danger, which is every time you want to invest the audience every time, and that's yeah. that's the trope for me. You know, you put put Gilly in a corner, put Sam in a corner. Everybody's like, oh fuck no, no, not Sam. You know, that's well, yeah. I mean, we had it last season, didn't we? Where um. The, the two uh, the two brothers kicked the fuck out of him and tried to rape Gilly. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, no, 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 not these two because yeah. anybody these... else kill them, don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, but not these two, you know, and and that's why it's I think it's so easy for anybody that's writing to fall into that relationship and realize that actually, as long as they've got each other, I think I think these are characters that that will shine through and talk to the writer. Whereas I think with the others, sometimes they're so confused and they're so obsessed with living in this morally gray area. Yeah. That I think, you know, passing them from writer to writer can confuse that. And, and I just think that these as characters are too strong to allow that to happen. These are characters that will talk to the writer, I think. Um, that's what it feels like to me anyway. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, like I feel having watched eight seasons of this show, I'm not saying it would be good. But I feel like I could sit down and write a two-hander between Sam and Gilly quite easily because I, I understand them as yeah. characters. You know, and I've had no connection with the show at all in a, in a creative capacity. Yeah, but it, it, they're well, that well. The yeah, but they're, they're that well observed. Is what yeah. I'm trying to say. So, so yeah, we get we get this scene between them, which is great. Um, and then I like I really like that Sam just you know Sam leaves and then comes back and he's like, "Fuck it, you're coming with me." 
Yeah, we're uh, going. I like that. Like that he's making his break and he's doing it with Gilly, so they stay together. Love that he takes the sword yeah. because he, you know, it's not going to get passed down to him. She's like, "Well, fuck you, I'm going to take it." Yeah, it should, but, it should be mine. So fuck you anyway. But it only really works if he gets caught and has to confront his father and just say, "No, fuck you, fuck you for everything, fuck you for calling me fat, fuck you for judging the woman I love, fuck you for everything," because I'm a member yeah. of the Night's Watch now. And I'm taking this sword because I'm about to save not just your life, but I'm about to save life. the entire fucking world. So yeah. fuck you. And then yeah. storm out with his sword. I mean, obviously, it would be better written than that. But that's the sentiment. Well, that you, we you say need. that, but yeah. Yeah, but that, that's the sentiment that we need here. And instead, what we get is I'm still a coward and I'm going to steal it in the middle yeah. of the night. And I'm, 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 I'm going to slip into the night and nobody's going to know any different. But apart from if it weren't for the fact I'm taking this sword, Nobody would actually give a fuck anyway. I'm fairly sure that they, he never sees uh, his family again, does he? Don't believe he does, no. I think this is it, isn't that? Yeah, don't believe he does. This is so, the only interactions a, I remember with them. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's another bit where... where I know it, no, it, it's not realistic that everybody gets closure on every scenario, but it's it's one of those... That, you know, this is a TV show and their ends need to be wrapped up. Loose ends need to be wrapped up. But this is another one which just kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't really go anywhere. yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, but that's from my big problem with with the, the Tali storyline is that actually it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. I enjoy, I've enjoyed this little sort yeah. of sojourn into Tali land, um, but we it doesn't mean anything. It just gives us some some more nice character stuff with Sam and Gilly, and I'm always happy to see him and always happy to spend time with him. Yeah, um, but it's which, it's me as filler. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Which is which is ironic um, in a lot of ways because right back at the start of the show. I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to those early episodes, I was like vehemently saying, fucking Sam and Gilly, fuck Sam and Gilly. It's all filler. It's not important. Um, so so that sentiment was definitely right. But what I found during the course of the rewatch is actually I've really fallen in love with these two characters. So like, yeah, they're not important, but I do like spending time with them. Um, so it's, it's interesting, really. That I'd, I'd probably forgotten a lot of this stuff, to be honest, by the time we're yeah. doing the first episodes, which is why I was going, oh, fuck this. It's not important. I don't care. Um <laughs> Turns out I do quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, we, we put that storyline pretty much to bed. Uh, then we go and spend some more time with Arya. We get a repeat of the play. Play is always fun. Yeah. Um, but now Arya clocking the understudy as well is nicely handled. You know, yeah. we get exactly what's being said. But again, no, you know, may as well have a big flashy sign yeah. saying murderer above her head. Like still still just reads like a hitman level to me. Yeah. Um, and there is, I do have one huge issue with this scene, though. There's, there's a shot where she's about to, to carry out the poisoning, or she is carrying out the poisoning. And yeah. they, I think they think they're being clever by shooting her through this kind of scuzzy mirror, slightly yeah. out of focus. And I think they're trying to be clever. And, you know, I hats off for trying to do something clever, but you're not the first people to yeah. think of shooting someone in a mirror. Um <laughs> But it, it has the actual reverse effect for what they're going for. Um, you know, her face needs to be obscured. She is no one, remember. Well, yeah, so, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, the whole point is that, she, especially with where this scene goes, you know, this is kind of the final nail in the coffin for her being no one. Um, so yeah. at this point, she has to be trying her hardest to be no one. So to show us her face in the mirror is just has the complete opposite effect because we're like, oh, yeah, yeah that's Arya. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if 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 anything, you want everything you can to obscure the you know, obscure yes, her face. So that's just what I'm saying. Want, yeah, just want just a complete reverse. Yeah. Well, yeah. we know, we know who it is anyway. Or so, if you're going to shoot the mirror, you fucking Dracula that shit up. No reflection in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but what they actually give us conveys the complete opposite to what they're trying to to say. Yeah, um, and, and again, I mean, that, the, the thing with that as well, I mean, that that scene or that particular shot is far too fucking long anyway. Oh, it is. They're just trying to be clever. That's and, the thing. I mean, clearly showboating. And it, it's stupid because they sh- like, yes, technically it looks great and they pull it off, but it doesn't serve your story. So don't no, bother. No, and they, so they'd have been far better off just, you know, I mean, and I mean, no, it's it, we're talking seconds, but you can shave seconds off here by. No, she hears them coming in. She puts the lid back on the bottle and goes towards the door. You don't yeah. need to see her agonizing over whether she puts it in and the whole thing in the mirror. Don't need any of that. No, Just no, no. Get her out of there. Get her out of there. So, yeah, but, you know, nevertheless, it is nicely shot. Just fucked up. Um, yeah. then, then we get meta as fuck all of a sudden. <laughs> like, as if the play wasn't slightly meta anyway. Yes. There's an exchange about the performances. And the lead actress turns around and says, well, to be fair to me, the writing's no good. Yeah. <laughs> Matter yeah. as fuck. Like really, yeah, and, she, and, she noticed as well. Then, yeah, <laughs> and, and then and then you get the uh, the person portraying the writer going, yeah, you don't get to have an opinion. Fuck you, it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, like it's almost like somebody's just decided it's, to have a pop at the writers' room here, isn't it? Well, that's I mean, it's Brian Cogman who wrote this episode. So I mean, at this point, he's uh, he's a producer as well. Yeah. So I mean, whether they think they're being um, being slightly witty or what, um, it's just it, it did amuse me. Um, no, me too. It was it's meta as fuck. And the, the other thing I didn't get right last week, as soon as the play finished, as soon as they were off stage, we had a cock, we had tits aplenty. This week, nothing. Yeah, so, it's weird. And don't get me wrong, I didn't particularly appreciate the cock and all the tits last week. But if that's what they do when they come off stage, they immediately whip the costumes off and they get them out. No, that's then they need to be consistent with that. Not this week, sit around bitching about the writing. Yeah, well, it's just. I, I, I mean, also, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I missed him, but was Richard E. Grant even in last week's episode? I didn't think he was. Yeah, he was Tywin on stage. Was it? I completely missed him last week. Then he, um, was, yeah, he didn't. I don't think he did anything last week. He was there, but as I remember, spotting him, going, "Oh yeah, I forgot he was in it." Um, yeah. But he didn't do fuck all. And then this week he did more or less fuck all. And I think that's pretty much him, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. remember he was in the fucking show, to be honest. I didn't. I didn't until he popped up. And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. Because the first time he popped up, it's like, fucking hell, it's Richard E. Grant. Um, I will well, say... It. It's not as if he had the same impact as Lovejoy, is it? No, I, I will say I fucking hate when they do this, though. Um, because, you know, when, when you get a character that you've cast in a role, like, for instance, when we've got Charles Dance or something like that, right? Okay, they're cast in that role, so you settle into it and they're part of the world. Yeah. This is clearly just like, look, we've got Richard E. Grant. Yes, you know, it's the same like, as when they had Ed Sheeran. Yeah, look, we've got Ed Sheeran. Look, we've got Lovejoy. Like, yeah, but that that just breaks the immersion for me completely. Yeah. Stunt casting really fucking annoys me. Um, yeah. And but and, I mean, you know, it's kind of in keeping with the show. That's what the entire show is stunt writing. So you know, yeah, it's kind but, of you know, at there, least Lovejoy, a... you kind of got the impression, and we'll come to his episodes. I think it's next season, isn't it? But but yeah. when we get to his episode, at least he has a bit of something to do. Yes, and, and he feels, you know, he has a whole episode. It feels weighty, whereas this is literally just like, hey, look, it's Richard E. Grant. Like, it, it, it's like the end of um, Jane, Simon, Bob with the sign saying, look, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Yeah. It's, it, it's that. And it, But the thing is, like, there are, you know, there are shows that can get away with that. You know, there are shows that can have a guest star for one episode, can have a cameo appearance for one episode. You know, but this isn't it because this show takes itself so fucking seriously that you you can't do this. 
know? I mean, the thing is as well, when you when you do get these cameos and you do you know you, you do get people popping up in these shows, they pop up to be a part of the story, even if it's just a story for that week. Yeah. This guy is literally just there to go, hey, I'm in Game of Thrones. Hey. Yeah, I mean, he could have been anybody, couldn't he? Like, this yeah. didn't have to be Richard E. Grant. There's no reason no, for and it. And they saved themselves a book. They could have cast me and saved a boatload of cash. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's I, just literally, it feels like Richard E. Grant's agent has reached out probably and gone, he really fucking likes the show. Yeah. Um, can we can we cast him? <laughs> you know, and that's what it feels like. Probably yeah, the same thing with to do. Probably the same thing happened with Ed Sheeran. Um, yeah. Whereas with Lovejoy, you get the impression he was cast. Probably. Well, yeah, because there's there's actual acting involved in his part, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, maybe that was even written for him, and they went after him. But you don't maybe. get the impression that he phoned up. Say, I mean, we know from reading the book now that he definitely didn't phone up and say, <laughs> "Can I please be in Game of Thrones?" <laughs> <laughs> definitely, fucking not. Um, he was cashing a fucking check. So you know, it, it just it fucks me off when they do this. Um, but yeah, so we get this scene backstage anyway, and Arya instantly proves to be a much better sleuth than her dad. Um, yep. You know, where she calls it out, careful of that one. Uh, and all yeah. of a sudden, her master plan clicks into place. And it's, I got to be fair, it did it to me again. I didn't see it happening last time. Didn't see it happening this time either. Fair play, hats off. Very well executed. For all I've been saying, this is a fucking hitman level. I know where this is going. No, very, very nice little murder mystery sting in the tail here. Where actually, no, she's not going to go through with it at all. She's going to frame yeah. someone else. Um, very nice. Very nicely done. Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed this whole play segment. Like yeah. this is this is the best Arya story's been for ages. Yeah. Um, so that that's all really good. Uh, and then she goes and she grabs hold of needle and stuff. And like, yeah, Arya Stark's back. Thank fuck. Um, well, yeah, exactly. We're we're done with the pretending now. Yeah. So right. Okay. Now we go over and spend some time with with the waif then and Jack and Agar because obviously they find out what she's done. Yeah. Now this bugs me. This bugs me a lot. Right. Why does the waif want to kill Arya herself? Like why does she hate her so much? It's never explained. Like it's implied that she's probably jealous. Well, I was but... going to say it, they, they've kind of set it up as though she's you no, know, she's the shiny new toy and she she's being replaced by by Arya. So therefore, you no, know, she she resents her. That's kind of that's the impression you get, but that's never that's never really anything that's so it's that's never explicitly explained. No, yeah. but but more so than that, it completely shits on everything to do with the many-faced god and being no one. Because yes. to be no one, and they've they've hammered this with Arya to be yeah. no one, you have to let go of everything. You know, yeah, you you're basically emotionless. Yeah, yeah, you can't have anything so, with that. This stops. So if if the waif hates Arya and is jealous of Arya. Then, therefore, Arya defines who the waif is. So yeah. she is no longer no one because she is Arya's enemy. Yeah, she's Arya's nemesis. So it, it, it's, this makes no sense. It, absolutely no. no sense whatsoever. And it and, needs more explanation for it to work. And besides the fact I hate the fucking character anyway. Yeah. And the other thing that annoyed me as well is I came away wanting to watch Face Off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know... It's busy making, but they, you know, there was no need for that. And obviously, though, they'll, they'll have had to build a prosthetic for that. They'll have had to, they'll have had to build a prop and you know, get him to flay it somewhere else. He could have been fucking sharpening knives. He could have been polishing silver. He could have been anything. Yeah. There's no need. There was no need for that. Again, it's it's that it's that shock and awe part of the show whereby they go, same as we had with um, Tywin in season one, where he's disemboweling a deer for no fucking reason whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's just done for the sake of it. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you just, what can we have him doing? Let's have him fucking cutting off someone's face. Why not? Let, let's fuck, just fuck off in it. Even if it was I'm, the face of somebody we've seen before, so it meant something? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, 
I'm happy to see the back of this storyline. Almost. We're nearly there with nearly this storyline. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. No need for him to be doing that. Could have been doing anything. No need for this scene at all, to be honest. Yeah. And, um, and, again, I mean, we talked talk about the waif and you know, the fact that she has this vendetta against Arya, which, which flies in the face of the main face garden and being no one. He's the same. He has an affection for her. Yeah. Don't, don't so, let her suffer. What the fuck's, What difference does it make? She, if she's nobody, why does it matter if she suffers? So none of them are nobody. So they're all failures. So, yeah. therefore, they should just let Arya go. Um, hey ho! It's not. It's not the. It's not the most nonsensical thing that's happened in this show, but it is nonsensical. Oh, no. It's not. It's not as nonsensical as last week's fucking episode, is it? So, to be mind. fair, in in a list of nonsensical things in this show, that's probably not even in the top fifty. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, so that's that bit then. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this for quite. I think maybe not even this season. Maybe not. Yeah, probably last season. But I definitely haven't mentioned this season. How much? I fucking love smug bastard Jamie Lannister. Like, yeah. I love him so much. Just riding up those steps. Sorry to interrupt. He's one. Yeah. <laughs> I love him when he's being a smug bastard. Yeah, and he's, and he's that... so charming with it, isn't he? Well, that's it. Like, and you, you you get this. So you get the bit whereby, um, so you get the Tyrell army marching through the streets, and you get Mace Tyrell at the front of it, looking about as convincing on a horse as me on a fucking scooter. Yeah. Um. He just looks so uncomfortable on that horse, and he, you know, he's like, he just, he, he's just looking to Jamie. He's like, right, okay, I'm here. What am, I, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like, I'm leading this army, but tell me how to lead them because I've got a fucking clue. So we get that, and so that was quite nice because obviously he's quite nervous. And then so we get the bit where, so no, they they make way and they bring Olena's um, carriage through. That's really nice as well. So she gets out. She's right in the thick of it as well. And yeah, just the bit where Jamie fucking bones up those steps. Brilliant. He's Absolutely fucking brilliant. Looks amazing. Um, and yeah, just looks so confident. And, he, and, and again, he's like, I, no, I'm here in the name of the king. You will know she will not be doing a walk of shame or a walk of atonement, whatever you call it. And I will execute every last motherfucking one of you. Yeah, he's absolutely just got his cock out and taken a piss on the steps, basically. Yeah. And he's just like, come on, here I am. Fucking yeah. come at me. One-handed yeah. or not, just come at me. I that, dare that, you. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's, it's the thing as well that obviously he wasn't there when Cersei had to go through all of that. So he couldn't stop it. So a big part of this, he, no, it's not about Marjorie. He doesn't really give a fuck. No. But it's no, this is, this as everything with him, this is for Cersei. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he's, take, yeah, he's, he's taken the opportunity, I, I think, slightly as well to peacock to um, to everybody that's watching as well. He's like, he's yeah. got an army behind him. Yeah, I'm know, not spent force. I'm, no, I yeah. might have lost my hand. You might think I'm all, you might all think I'm a cripple and I'm useless now, but yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, and, and particularly, you know, it's the Tyrells as well. So he's like, look, I am a viable threat. You need to be my ally. Like, yeah. he's properly peacocking. Um, he's he's great. Fucking yeah. love him in this scene. Um, I tell you who I love more in this scene, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, <laughs> is, is Marjorie. Um, and, and it's the little things, okay? There is the Sparrow early on when he's talking to Jamie is shot in a huge wide yeah. from sort of almost from Jamie's POV. Yeah. We've like sort of Jamie looking at we've got a bit of a status paradox kind of effect going on where Jamie's in charge of the scene, or at least we think he is, but the sparrow's still fucking just giving these fucking sermon and smirking. Now, Marjorie is behind him in deep focus, okay? Yeah. But she clearly knows that she's in frame and she is always on. Like her mm. presence is fucking superb in yeah. the scene. Just like her she is like she's got no lines. But she is absolutely just subtly reacting to everything that is said. Her face, yeah. it, like when when she sees Jamie show up and stuff, and she's in that shot. There's just the tiniest little grin that starts to curl up at the corner of yeah. her lips. 
and you get it as well. So I mean, we get the the reveal from the Sparrow that actually, you know, the the Crown and the Faith are now working together, and Tommen comes out. Yeah. And there's the the shot where the Sparrow is next to Tommen, and Tommen's holding Marjorie's hand, and he sort of raises it almost like a Hitler salute. Yeah. I'm not sure that's entirely appropriate. Yeah. But again, her face, she's just so measured. Oh, she's and she, she's giving she's giving nothing away. But she's as so I said, good. she's just on. And she's yeah, absolutely permanent, permanently on. And like, she's playing a very fucking dangerous game. As I say, this is where, you know, we get the reveal of what her game is here now. Like she's she's going to play the sparrows off against the crown and hopefully emerge. Her plan is to basically emerge with the throne and no Cersei and Jamie. That's oh, yeah, what exactly. she's playing for here. She wants them to cancel each other out. Yeah. She wants soul. Like it's very clear now where all the pieces are falling into place. It's a very, very dangerous game. Um, but but that, that's the nature you win. That's or you the die. nature. Yeah, you win or you die. And she's she's playing it with a plum. Like she is really like she's so good in every shot. She's absolutely like conveying everything that that character is thinking every time she's on screen without yeah. saying a fucking word. Yeah. Um, she's very fucking talented. She's she's really good, really really good. Um, yeah. So and and then again we we finish the scene with with Elena. Basically, you no. Know, for anybody who hasn't worked it out. They're fucked. Yeah, basically. Um, Elena's always great anyway, isn't she? Yeah. So, you know, it it's, yeah, goes without saying. So, okay, so that, that kind of plays itself out. And then Jamie is essentially being banished, like, without without it being said in so yeah, many words. It's, it's kind just of like, what they did to, um, oh, fucking, I can't remember his name now, the one who went off to Daenerys. Yeah, I can't think of his name either. But they're basically saying, look, there's a problem over there with the Blackfish. You go and fucking deal with the, with yeah. the Blackfish. Yeah, like, this is this is politicky boring shit. I don't want to deal with this. So you go sort it out. Yeah, and again, just you know, Marjorie's orchestrated the events that's leading to this whole thing of him being sent away. Now, clever girl, she's got yeah. one. She has got one enemy less on the battlefield. Clever, yes. clever girl. Um, like she hasn't done it directly. She's just pulled all the strings to get all of these random events into place. Yeah, that says right there. You go. You're off to deal with the blackfish now. You're out of my way. Um, yes. And actually, we we haven't seen them. We go over to see uh, Walder Frey, and we haven't seen him for an age. No, we haven't. Like. So something's clearly about to happen with Walder Frey. Um, again, a big flashy sign, really. Yes. You know, I know I know we don't get it here, but it, it's clear. Like he hasn't suddenly just been brought back in, has he? Something no, that's is right. Clearly about to happen. Yeah, Barristan uh, Selmy, by the way. Yes, yeah, that's it, Barristan Selmy. Um, so yeah, yeah no, you're right. I mean, I they, uh, Walder Frey is one of these characters that we like we've always said he's a loathsome little turd, but yeah. David Bradley does such a good job with it, and you. And David Bradley, to be fair, and I think I said this when we talked about the um, the Red Wedding and building up to that, he is as an actor, he he portrays these characters who you just love to hate so well. Yeah. And he is no exception. And we've no, we've talked about we talked about Walter Frey before and how no, he he's Electra's old man. But actually, he's survived in a world where we have had wars over thrones and things and all. And he doesn't get involved. He's just like, oh, this is my part of the world. I will do my bit, and everyone else can fuck off and leave me alone. Now. As no, as part of the Red Wedding, we did this. We made a pact. We did this, and our reward was we would get, um, we would get River. Was it River? Yeah, yeah. So we would get that. That's ours. And you pair of fucking dolts messed it up. And now yeah. something I, you know, whether I sold my soul or whatever it was, something that I earned, you two have cost me. So go fucking sort it out. And yeah. by the way, take the useless prick out the cells that we've been holding for three years. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it again, it shows who that character is. It shows that actually. 
he's not just a lascivious old cunt. He's very calculating. Yeah. And, and he's, 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 I mean, when, when we had the Red Wedding and the build up to it and all the whole thing with, with Kat and all the, the pact and all the rest of it, we, 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 no, we saw him scheming, but part of, part of what we saw thought, well, actually, that's Tywin and that's Roose Bolton. And he's just, no, because we've not seen enough of him, he, is he just there for the ride? But actually, we're, we're now seeing that, okay, he can hold his own. It doesn't, no, he doesn't need, he doesn't need to hide behind Roose Bolton. He doesn't need to hide behind the Lannisters. You know, he's, he's an he's angle got clout, and yeah, he's, he's, he's he's got a bit of bit of nose about him. Yeah, he's he's got clout, and he knows how to handle himself. Definitely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, actually, I think the way they handle his reintroduction here and in the in the come in episodes now is really good because yeah you're right they are sort of setting him up as like I mean he's already a credible threat because of what he's done in the past but they they're still as you say he's always been allied with someone else whereas here it's almost like they're putting another piece on the board. Yes. Like they're introducing him as a credible threat. Well, um, this is it. He, he's now there in his own right. Yeah, which is which is interesting for where it goes and it, and it adds weight to that when it happens. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all, all good. Short scene, but all good. Um, just as I say, clearly, it's such a weird, like, you're going to go and deal with the Blackfish, then straight away over to Walder Frey. It's like, hang on, wait, what? Hey, what, what's going on here? Why, why has he just suddenly appeared out of nowhere? Yeah. Like, it, there was no no subtlety to it at all. So it was a little bit like smash cut. He's going to be important. Well, this um, is it. And I mean, we, we had it last, I think it was last week where Sansa sends Brienne off. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's, because we heard that the Blackfish has retaken River Run. Um, so she sent Brienne down to, you know, down to, to ally with him and say, look, we need your army. You know, we you know we need to restore my mother's honor, my father's name, all the rest of. It. We need to take Winterfell back. So we it was seeded then, and then because of, because of the rest of the episode and the way it ended, it's easy to good, bad, or indifferent, whatever you think of the end of the episode. The rest of it kind of pales into comparison, and it's easy to forget things like that because there were such short, innocuous scenes between Sansa and Brienne, apart from one with little thing right at the start. Is, when they mentioned River, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, that's right, yeah." And now, obviously, remembering what's going to happen when they when they get when Jamie and Brienne get to River, yeah. So it, all of a sudden, it's, it started moving cogs again in my head. Where I was thinking, "Oh yeah, right, okay, I'd forgotten about that." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it just, I mean, it's good. As I say, short but good. Um, yeah. Just a little bit fucking in your face. Um, yes. So then we're back with Jamie and Cersei. Um, Jamie is fucking fantastic in this scene. Like he will not stand idly by. He is Jamie yeah. fucking Lannister. God damn it. Yeah. Um, he's he's great. He's he's everything he was back in season one. You know, he's he's full of piss and vinegar. He's like, I'm going to defend his family's honor, and we can't be spoken to like this. Great. But then, even more importantly, we get Cersei just step up and say, "They've made us both stronger." Yeah. Finally, where has this Cersei been for the last two seasons? Where's, well, yeah, this is where's she been? Because this is the Cersei we know from seasons like one to three, where she's like, no, 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 fine, do what you want, but I'm always going to have the upper hand. I'm just going to do it from the shadows. Yeah, and this, don't, don't, that's don't, what don't, we get, don't get here. Involved in it, and I think the thing that like, she's she's almost saying, look, I've got a plan. Just fucking just yeah. leave it. Just let just let me sort it out. Leave it. Uh, they're going to pay. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be tribal combat, and the mountain's going to start ripping people's limbs off because you know, yeah. it's supposed to let the Wookiee win. Um, so you know, that's all well, fine. Just just go and do what Tommen's asked you to do. Go and sort out the pissy little party give it, and then come back, and everything will be fine. Yeah, just leave it to me. I've got it. Yeah. You know, where's she been? Because this is the Cersei that I like that I remember. Yeah, this is it, and this is my problem that we've not seen enough. Of this. The last couple of seasons, we've not seen it. She's very much taken a back seat. And she's allowed other people to dominate both her and her family, which is entirely not in keeping with character. No. So we get we get her back here and we get glimpses of that now between now and the end of the season. 
And then from the end, the last episode of this season until the end of the show, she becomes fucking Cruella Deville. Yeah, it, oh, it just she just goes off the deep end. They just um, don't know how to handle her at this point. They don't know. I don't. I don't know whether it's that they didn't know where she was going, or and they didn't have a plan until they were there, or whether they just completely missed the fucking point of her character. But that's. I think this is probably the last episode, or the last couple of episodes, where you will see actual Cersei being actual Cersei and doing actual Cersei things. After this, we just get the fucking pantomime villain. I will never understand how they did not take the opportunity in the final season to, like, all of these houses got differences, right? Some people are like, Arya flat out needs to kill Cersei. Daenerys yeah. is going over to Conqueror, right? They've all got differences. I get it. How the fuck, though, do they, does the story not conclude with all of these houses having to put that aside temporarily for however short a period and take on the Whites? Well, this is how because there's so much drama in that. Can you imagine Arya having to work with Cersei? Well, that's it. It's it's the it's the fucking He-Man skeletal team up, isn't it? It is absolutely. I don't understand how they miss that. I, I don't I just... that. And I mean, you you, you kind of you get it, and we, obviously we'll get to it when we get to the to the last season. Of, I think it's the end of season seven, isn't it? Where um, yeah, John and Daenerys come. No, they they, they come to King's Landing, and no, they they try to make a treaty. So look. We'll do fucking no. We we have a bigger fish to fry. We yeah. can sort all this shit out later. But if we don't sort the, if we don't sort out the whites, there's not going to be a kingdom or a world for us for anyone to rule. Yeah. And so it yeah it's it's struck yeah they, they, they catch on it and, yeah, and they don't follow through. They don't take it and they no. don't take it and because of that, a we we end up concluding the wrong story first. Yeah. Because them we end up finishing the actual fucking story with three episodes to spare. Yeah. And then b we don't get. The what would no the natural drama that would follow that and no would no what would be the the, the proper conclusion of the story and, and therein lies the problem with Cersei's character as well because for the last two seasons she's got very little to do she's in the position of power all she has to do is defend so she has yeah. very little to actually do whereas if she's dragged into the battle with the whites yeah and there's this uneasy relationship of that actually when all this shit is over she knows full well. That actually they're gonna go back to fighting for the throne because they have to. It's the natural yeah. order of things. They're not suddenly gonna be friends. So you get this whole thing then where you get the battle within the battle. You know where yeah. if she can, she might take the opportunity to push Daenerys in front of the fucking Night King, and probably get herself killed in the process. But that, I feel like that gives you that probably gives you the ending for Cersei that most people wanted and the death that most people wanted rather than what they got. Yeah, and and it gives her. You know, it just gives her momentum in the story and it gives her agency, but you don't get any of that from her because they don't take that opportunity. No. And it just seems crazy to me because it's it's right there for the taking. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I mean instead they you know, they, they go with her and Euron as fucking let's say they're pantomime villains. Yeah, I mean Euron's a fucking disaster well, waiting Euron's to happen. A cartoon, isn't he? But, yeah, uh... we'll, we'll get to Euron when we spend more time with him when he's in King's Landing. But yeah, for now, uh, really good here. Um then we're back over with Bran and our mystery man, Azriel, reveals himself. Um, yes. It's only uncle, fucking, only uncle fucking Benjen. Who yeah, now, first off, first... I, I want him to be called Uncle Ben because that's just fucking hilarious. Much better, yeah. Um, but also, right, we've, we've, we've seen and heard of Uncle Benjen precisely fucking twice. Well, I was just Six about to say, ago. I was just about to say the first time we watched this, like my first watch through, Sarah recognized who he was uh, because she'd read the books and stuff as well. And I don't think this is in the books or maybe it is, but she knew enough to 
to recognize him as Uncle Benjamin. Yeah. I think it may be because I think um, a guy I went to uni with actually named his um, his kids um, jo- uh, Jojen and Benjamin. Okay. So it must have been important at some point. Yeah. So for me though, he pulls his mask down and and like it's played like it should be some sort of big reveal. And they even name him. They even name drop Uncle Benjamin. I just turned yeah. to Sarah and I was like, "Who the fuck's that?" Yeah, I did that too. Because I had, had, he, had he forgotten. Him, had he not called him Uncle, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have twigged that he was. Because that new Uncle Ben or John said you were lost beyond the walls. So, oh right, yeah. So back in like the third episode ever. Yeah. Well, you same with me. But even, but even then, John said you lost beyond the wall. I'm racking my brains, and I said Sarah had to explain it to me. She had to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guy back from season one. I said, like, was he? Oh yeah. And it, it took real fucking work to get there. I'll be honest. It took real work for me to. Now this time out, we're watching it in much closer proximity. Yeah. So it's much fresher in mind. And it's the second time of watching. So when I see Benjin back in season one, I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. That's Uncle Benjin. Yeah, he was there to start with. So, but yeah, like from a first time out, I have to say this was just terribly mishandled. Yeah. <laughs> I had no like, fucking clue who he was. I, I, and it, what what makes me sort of just roll my eyes even more at, at, at things like this is they are so careful normally, and I will give them the credit for this. They are so careful. If somebody's going to reappear, and that's why it was weird with the blackfish as well. Yeah. Somebody's going to reappear that hasn't been around for a while. They will seed it subtly first. There will be mention yes. of them. Yeah. Um, and then maybe an episode or two down the line, they'll pop up. Whereas here, it's just literally out of nowhere. Oh, look, it's Uncle fucking Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's well, like I was saying earlier right, with, no, with, um, with the blackfish and you know, the mention of River and stuff last week. Is that they they had done that? So when when Walter Frey pops up and starts talking about uh, how they've lost Riverrun and talking about the blackfish who was there at the wedding and they let him escape, yeah. that no, that's all fine. So when when we get to that next week or the week after, actually, yeah. you know what? They've done the work with that. But this gun, I was like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, where's he come from? All of a sudden, and all it takes is you know. We've had John and Sansa meet a couple of weeks ago. Sansa could have asked how Uncle Benjamin's doing. That easy, yeah. isn't it? That easy, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's it. And I mean, then you get, no, he said, oh, the Three Red Raven sent me. No, Three Red Raven's dead. Oh, you're the Raven now. Yeah. All right, okay, fine. But we, we, we've got stuff to get into there. And I said, you know, how, how have you survived? Oh, the, the, same, the, 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 the same way they made the White Walkers. Like, how do you know he knows that? Yeah, and it's, it's also too many leaps, and I think that yes, okay, there's a connection with the three raven, but then it's like, okay, well, hang on. So is that something we can do? If somebody dies, we can revive them by sticking dragon glass into their heart, but then giving them some sort of fucking cocktail or elixir well, or something that stops yeah. them turning. Here's here's the thing again, isn't it? This where, is another where's way. The, where's your log- where's your logic here? Your logic, you've got a massive gap in your logic now, which you you don't explain. Yeah, so this is this is another resurrection, the second one of the season. So yeah. again, we're just like, hang on, hang on. Okay, we we resurrections have to have a cost. Like you know, we and now all of a sudden there are all sorts of ways that you can come back. Like this may as well be fucking Dungeons and Dragons at this point. Like you're dead, yeah. Got a diamond, yeah. Right, you're golden. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Well, you know what I mean. I mean we that... had, no, we, but it's it's not the second one. It's the third. Because we've also had um, in Thoros of Mia has been resurrected at this yeah. point as well by the yeah. by the Lord of Light. So no, we've we've got uh, no somebody else who's no somebody else who's proving that actually death means fuck all. The mountain has died and been brought back. Yeah, it's just it's it's ludicrous i mean i i kind of like the idea of benjamin being like the anti-night king you know just being like everything the night king isn't but, yeah, but that if, needs if to fucking explaining because that's, how come he's not say. the night king how that's come he's gonna say. how come he's, how come the okay they, no, they, they, they put the dragon glass into his heart so how, why didn't he turn but if that's a way of people staying alive and not dying and that's not turning 
why are they not doing that to everybody? Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the children of the forest made the night came. We found that out last week. Fine. Didn't necessarily agree with it, but fine. That's the way they went. So if that's the case, but they also know that what they did to Uncle Benjamin will stop the, will stop the onset. Well, do that because that no. At that point, you're not going to have this massive fucking army of undead. No, no, no. Here's here's where I would go with this, okay? And who knows? Maybe Martin will go here with it. I don't know. Here's where I would go with it. Here's just indulge me, listeners. Here's my sort of two minute trip into what I would do with Game of Thrones. Um, Start again. Well, there's that. Um, so we know very little about the Night King, as we were saying at the time when he was tied to the tree, other than he was just a random dude. Okay. Yeah. Now, we have also seen, though, that he takes babies and turns them into whites. Yeah. Okay. Now, Benjen... And then we never establish if they grow. Never. Yeah, right. Benjen is a member of the Night's Watch. He is a good character. He's, he's righteous. He's on the side of right. And we have to assume that actually, you know, he's, he's atoned for whatever reasons he was at the wall in the first place. And he's now, you know, or even if he hasn't, he's now on this quest to better himself and sort things out. So... When they plunge the dragon glass into his heart, he is a fundamentally good person and therefore comes back fixed and whole yeah. with extra power. And maybe he's got the ability to raise the dead as well. But instead of raising skeletons, he raises spirits or something like that. Okay, And that is what the, the children of the forest intended to do with the Night King, which they say they wanted a like a warrior kind of yeah, thing. They that, that was that, right? right? They need, so that is what they intended to do. And that is something they can do. And that's what Benjins become. However... The Night King just so happened to be a fucking kiddie fiddler or a rapist or a murderer or whatever you want. Okay, it makes sense with the children that he is a, a child snatcher, right? And a, yeah. and a pedophile and stuff like that. It makes sense because then that's why he steals the babies as well. Okay, and he, and so therefore, when he raises the dead, he raises them wrong. They're ugly. They're in his image, and yeah. the fact that he's he's a twisted, evil person in life leads him to be that when he's resurrected. Yeah. And just give us a whole episode. Just show us who the Night King is. Give us that. Well, this is it. And I think this is, I mean, honestly, it's the big problem because there's so many fucking problems with the show as we've spent the last you know, five and a half seasons talking about. But the whole thing with the Night King is that we don't, there's, there's nothing about what he actually wants or why he is, no, why he is taking over the world. That's why what I'm saying. Is, we, we, don't, yeah. we don't know. We so don't we assume he's just, then... No, we assume he's just evil. He's just this malevolent force. So make him that in life. And give us that. Why is he like that? Like you, you don't have to explain why he's a he's a horrible person in life. He can just be a, mur a murderer or a sociopath or a kiddie fiddler or whatever you want to make him, right? He can mm. be that. But then that carries through to who he is when he's the Night King. And so we don't really need to know then why he wants to raise the army of the dead and take over the world because it's an established trope that we just go like, okay, this is good versus evil. He's yeah. the bad guy. And, and, that, and that's fine, but there's so much they can do. But I, I read an article, and I think it was round about when season eight was happening. Um, and it was about the, the, the fundamental problem with him targeting Bran. Right. And it's it's about how in order to in order to, to prevent anybody from, from defeating him, he needs to erase the Three-Eyed Raven because the Three-Eyed Raven is the world's memory. Yeah. Now, okay, fine. If, if that's where they're going with, that's okay. However, if nobody else remembers anything ever, then that's fine. But other people have memory and other, other, there are actions that have consequences. So just killing Bran on its own isn't enough. Uh, in, in which case, what's the point? But also, if he's going to take over the world and turn everybody into whites and Bran is the only one left... Bran can't have children. So again, what is the point? There's this whole this whole dichotomy with their with their story, which doesn't fucking work because either way the consequences aren't there. 
And yeah. this, is the, this is the whole reason I struggle with the Night King, is that everything he does doesn't seem to have an end game. No, it, it's, yeah, it, and it's because it's not anchored, basically. Yeah. It's not anchored to anything. So, and I mean, the, we had the bit um, a couple of weeks ago where they, we found out from, uh, I think it was called Leaf, from the Children of the Forest, that they, they made him as a weapon against man because man was winning the war. So, I mean, it would stand to reason, and we're talking about, you know, who he, who he was, potentially, Make him somebody big in that world, in that army of man that's massacring the ch- the children of the forest. Make yeah. him somebody important. Yeah, and he's I, just and and it turns out that the reason he's doing that isn't because he's fighting for mankind to be just. It's because he really fucking enjoys killing children. Yeah, like make him Freddy Krueger essentially. Yeah, make you him know, a body man. Yeah, just do that, and then we understand it. You know, like I'm I'm fine with. We don't have to have this massive long winded explanation. But if he's going to be this malevolent force of nature, which he kind of is, mm. then at least explain why he's that and then just be done with it. Like, that's who he is. And he's just yeah. fucking evil. And well, that's what, why he wants to kill everyone. Yeah. Why is that? But also how the fucking thing works. How in how in the world this thing actually applies? Yeah. And that's, because you that's, could... that's the other problem. And I was, I was talking. I mean, we talked about it last week um, with, you know, with um, Brand being able to influence the past and shit. And I was um, speaking with some other writers I, I do some work with um, on Friday. And I said that the biggest problem with any serialization is that you have to understand your world. You can't go breaking your world. Yeah. And that I mean, the, the one girl I was talking to, she's she's just written an outline of of her first or the first of a series of fantasy novels and high fantasy, and I'll probably never read it because it's no high fantasy is not my thing, as we discussed. But she spent eleven months and has written a twenty thousand word document outlining how the fucking world works and how it all comes together. Before yeah. she before she's written word one of the story, she's actually set out. This is how everything works, and these are the things I need to know before I can start doing doing the actual fun bit of writing the story. And this is somebody who no, this is a hobbyist yeah. with a day job and everything else. These motherfuckers are making it making a multi million dollar TV show based on best selling books. At some point, some cunt needs to establish how the fucking world works. I mean, I think the problem here is that the books that it's based on don't understand. I mean, and I haven't read them, so this is me talking out of school, but I've said since day one, I think one of the biggest problems here is that is that the books and George R. R. Martin himself, he's not a good writer, and no. he doesn't understand his own story or his world. No, and I've said that right. since day one, and I think that that's evident here. You know, it, it's, now that they are away from the books, it's more their fault because they can put this stuff in, and Benjen here is the perfect opportunity to explore the Night King via opposites. Yes. Okay, yeah. he is holding a mirror to the Night King. It's perfect opportunity to delve into the Night King story yeah, with Benji without it feeling like exposition, which we've the last yes. couple of weeks that's what we've had with with Bran and um, Max von Sydow. Um, so yeah, that it would have been an absolutely perfect opportunity to do that and a very organic way of doing it without it, you know, without making it feel forced. Yeah, but they they just don't, do they? They no. just go, oh yeah, dragon glass through the heart. But I'm I'm not bad, but he is. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Right. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. We believe you. Thousands wouldn't. Yeah, so, you know, but anyway, that's that's the long and short of that scene. But yet again, though, I mean, this is all good. You know, as I say, it's got problems. But as I say, I like the fact that he's the anti-Night King. And I thought he was cool as fuck. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Silly me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, again, though, are we really going to spend all of this time with Bran and not talk about Hodor at all? Like they just seem to not give a flying fuck that he's just oh, sacrificed yeah. himself for them. Like I, I just I, I don't understand how they aren't grieving no, or in shock or terrified or anything. Like it's just it's a well, disgrace to be honest. No, I mean, the, the only 
The only impact Hodor's death has had on them is the fact that now Mira has to pull the cart. Yeah, but even and... that, even you could have a throwaway line there going, Jesus, Hodor made this look easy, or something like that. Can we just at least Acknowledge reference... the fact he's not there anymore. Yeah, please, can we do something? Because it's it's just ridiculous. They've just flat out written him out. Yeah. Awful. Um, so uh, there we go and spe- we go and finish off with Danny, don't we? We're going to spend some time with Danny. Um First thing, straight out of the gates when Dario's talking to her, you're a conqueror, Daenerys Stormborn. Oh, no funny that. Fucking shit. Really? But again, this this is one of the things that bugs me with, with Danny is that everybody banged on she's not a conqueror, she's a liberator, she's the no, she's the breaker of chains, all this shit. When people call her a conqueror, time and time again, she f- doesn't fucking dispute it. No. She knows she, how well she is. She knows what she's doing, and also she likes the fact that because of it. People are a little bit fucking scared. Yeah, I mean, look, she she doubles down on it. Like, first of all, though, before we get to her speech, where the fuck did the dragon come from all of a sudden? Well, this is it, and I, I'm reading the... I, I missed it when I watched it, so I, I, I'm reading the wiki page, and it's, Daenerys notices an unusual gust of wind and rides alone to investigate. Fuck off. Really? Because I missed that and all then, because I just went, where the fuck is the dragon come well, from? Well, that's it, because I, I watched... And, I I got bollocked last week because I had it on too loud, so this week I thought, I'll put it on a computer, I'll put the, put the headphones on, and then nobody's going to complain apart from me because I'm watching Game of Thrones. And I wound it back because I had the same thoughts. Where the fuck does that thing come from? And now, you know, it's no. Yes, okay, they've all grown a little bit because they're, they're now five years old. This thing's the size of a fucking jumbo jet. Yeah. How Huge. did that happen? Huge. Um, I will say, though, uh, as I've said before, love the fucking creature design on these dragons. Oh, we get absolutely. some real nice close-ups here, and you see him open his mouth, and you see the two flame jets in his Yeah, This is the sort of thing that they do really... You know, the, the design on it is amazing. and so, you know, Same with the, the skeletons earlier, and the, the whites in general, and the Night King. All of that stuff is really, really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's when you get people making fucking speeches that it really goes downhill. Yeah, so, I mean, look, look let's just... Let's give them benefit of the doubt again. Not the most ridiculous or convenient thing that's happened, even in no. this season, let alone the show. So the dragon shows up. Um, but then Danny's speech, you know, kill my enemies in their iron suits and yeah, tear, down tear down their stone, their stone houses. houses. Yeah. And like, she's literally just told you what the end of the show is going to be. Yeah. Why are people surprised? Well, this is it. And I mean, you've got it there. And I, 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 I put, uh, oh, this is a thing I didn't know, right? So on Windows 10, Right. Yeah. Even if, they don't give you a DVD player anymore. No. So even if you've got the drive there, like Windows Media Player doesn't, yeah, play, it doesn't DVDs. play DVDs. You've no, got to download a special app. Yeah. Now it took me an hour to find an app that wouldn't wasn't going to charge me to watch more than the first ten minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a then, whole fucking mess, isn't it? And then I found one, right? And this is the worst bit. It didn't pick up the fucking subtitles, so I had to go back and watch the scene again with the subtitles yeah. on. At which point, I'm thinking it's fucking one o'clock in the morning. I really don't care now. Yeah, I know what she's saying. I can tell what she's saying by how fucking angry she is. Yeah, but I've got to uh, go back and see it just for the sake of it. So yeah, I was just, I, by the time I got to the scene, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. It's it's just typical Danny bullshit that we've talked about for the last fucking five and a half years again it's just like this this one note like i i am going to lay waste to my enemies i am going to claim my throne okay fine we get it we know who you are but i just don't understand then why everybody's so surprised at a heel turn like it's literally right here well that's it's choreographed from episode like two isn't it yeah it absolutely is so so yeah we we round out with danny again threatening uh to just kill every motherfucker um, yeah, and, and you know there are elements to it. You know, there there are bits that reflect Drogo's speech um, when they got married, and he's you know speaking to his own Kalasar, and she's you know saying, "Well, I know oh, 
I've already subverted all of your traditions because I slaughtered your masters and your and your and your uh, your wise women. So now you all follow me. So actually, your thing of having blood riders and people who are loyal, fuck that. You can just all come and work for me instead. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. But you know, this this speech riles them all up, and so you see before you know, before the dragon comes along, they're all getting a bit bored and a bit listless, and you know, half of them are probably thinking, well, fuck this, football's on in half hour. Should we just go home? Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden the dragon lands and she, you know, she, she, she's on its back and she, you know, she gives a speech about, you know, the whole blood of my blood and all the rest of it and who's going to come and slaughter my enemies for me and all this sort of shit. And yeah, you can see them getting all riled up and, you know, it has the effect. That's fine. But it's just one of those. And as you said, we've been talking about this for years that this is, this has been front loaded that Danny is a conqueror. Danny is not there to sit idly by and watch the world go, go past her. She wants to see the fucking thing burn because she, you know, as far as she sees it, she's been denied her birthright. She's been robbed, effectively, of the life she should have had. Yeah. And instead, she's been abused by her brother. She's been, you know, she was forced into a marriage with somebody that she managed to you know, turn from a, a marauding rapist into an actual person. But, you know, so she'd been through all this stuff. And it just so compounds the fact that actually she, she's so fucking entitled. And that, you know, she feels that, no, this is, this is her, you know, her right. But actually, it doesn't matter how many people die. It doesn't matter about the people in their, in their iron suits and their stone houses, because actually, you all stole from me. I'm going to get my vengeance, so fuck you all. And it's just, that's that's why I got annoyed in the final season when people started talking about a heel turn and how much of a slap in the face it was that they'd spent so many years investing in this character who turned out to be nothing like they thought. Well, actually, if you watch the fucking show, she turned out to be exactly who she'd been playing for the for the eight seasons leading up to that point. Completely, completely. Um, I mean, just one other thing that, that struck me with this scene as well. Um, so, so there's that, you know, same old Danny bullshit, but also like the dragon lands and then all of the Dothraki are like all of a sudden, oh fuck, she's got a dragon. They're all in awe. They're all a bit of follower. Right. These are, we're being led to believe like the nastiest, hardest bunch of savages in this universe, right? They are, they are savages. They are warmongers. They yeah. are just, they are bad motherfuckers, right? They're, they're Vikings, effectively. Yeah, right. How is their first instinct not, look at that thing, let's kill it? Yeah, let's, yeah. That'll, feed us, seems that'll to, feed us for a year. Seems to me like that would be their reaction. Um, like, unless, yeah. it, unless it's the fact that she's on its back. I don't know. They've, got, they've all me, bowed her naked body like two weeks ago, so maybe you know, maybe that's the thing. I don't know. To me, it just, it would be like, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's that human instinct, isn't it? Well, oh, that's different. Kill it. Yeah. Totally. It's, again, like, you know, we, we've had this discussion many times on many of the shows, you know, basic human needs. Can I kill it? Can I fuck it? Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. Innit? Can I, I kill it? Can I, it? Can I fuck, fuck it? it? Yeah, exactly. So uh, when that thing lands, I don't see how they don't even putting aside the meat of it all. How as hardened warriors, they don't at least go. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Let's fuck it up. It. Yeah. Like I, I just so yeah. I don't know that. That just I called bullshit on that to be honest. But yeah, it's a, it's a minor thing in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So I mean, like all, all in all, this episode is okay. It's okay, and it's it's infinitely better than last week. Anything is better than last week. Um, this there is nothing really massively awful in this episode, but I don't no. think there's anything outstanding either. No, I, th- uh, I think the things that we've generally pointed out are wider issues um, than than just this episode. Um, yeah, it's. It's a solid episode. The biggest issue is that they just don't deal with Hodor. Yeah, all. it's just you know, swept under the rug and um, Hodor's Which gone, man. Okay. Inexcusable for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's given, given that as well, that was the that was the big climax. You know, the big the big thing of last week is is Hodor's death. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does that mean? What, yeah. no, what again? What does it mean for the world at large? How does it impact? 
and that's something that this show just seems to completely ignore, not just with Odo, but across the board, is what are the consequences for my world if I do this? Yes. Um, so, yeah, my, my biggest problem with it is that. But other than that, it's... It's a solid episode. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid so four and a half, five out of ten. I think. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No big no big dramas. It just it's it's fine. Some good stuff. It's it's getting us to, it's getting us to the amazing. next thing. I mean, it's it's one of those episodes and we talked about it in certainly in the earlier two or the first two or three seasons whereby you'd have a blaze of glory and then it would die off to a point of absolute fucking tedium and then yeah. it would pick back up again. And this I, I think in the later seasons they don't do it so much. You'll have an episode as opposed to three or four where it free wheels a bit before they come and gets back on track. Yeah. And I think this is that. This is just kind of, right, we've done that bit, and that bit's next week, so we just need something in the middle to kind of tide everyone over, let everyone catch their breath a bit. Yeah. Um, and that's what this episode is, really. It's, it's something in that thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but, I mean, as, as always, people don't necessarily agree with us, so if you, if you, you are in that vast majority, um, reach out, let us know, um, tell us what you think uh, on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you can also pick up our previous episodes and get in touch with us through there. On Facebook and YouTube with the Double M Podcast Network, so uh, like and uh, subscribe on there. Wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music. Like, share, subscribe, leave us a message, and we'll be back to you as best we can. But until next time. Game over.